It's series 14 of our media cast. Stay tuned for the last 10 minutes where we overview our current, future and past series. This one is on Euro 2024 qualifying. We're looking at Group F, Belgium, Austria, Sweden, Azerbaijan and Estonia. Here we go. It's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada, Series 14. I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. And today we are looking at Group F for Euro 2024 qualifying. This group includes Belgium, Austria, Sweden, Azerbaijan, and Estonia. All right. And we usually give some information about the media cast at this point, but we're going to save it for the end. So stay tuned at the end for info about our past and current series and uh, upcoming series too. Uh, meanwhile, let's get on with it. Right, so this series features a deep dive into the history of EuroCup qualifying for each of these teams. So we'll cover the usual information. Yeah, let's look at the three sections we'll cover in this uh, media cast. So part one, we're gonna introduce uh, the teams in the group. And part two, we'll do an in-depth uh, team-by-team overview. This series features a deep dive into the Euro, Euro Cup qualifying history. And part three will be a comparison of the teams in their uh, pots and rankings and head-to-head records and odds. And then we'll end with a discussion of their prospects and our predictions. All right, so before we begin, what's the hook for this group? Tell me something that'll get me excited. Okay, well, I had a I had an image of uh, or, or or the expression a cat among the pigeons, but um, really it's more like a, a couple of pigeons among the cats. I'm not this metaphor is falling apart. <laughs> a couple of pigeons among the cats. Uh, I just think the the bottom teams could create chaos among the the top teams. That's what I'm driving at. All right. Well, should we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. And we'll begin with uh, some information about the country. So let's introduce uh, Belgium. Yeah, so Belgium, their nickname is the Red Devils. Uh, They have a population of 11.6 million people. um, And they're a small country in Northwestern Europe, uh, bordered by France, Germany, and the Netherlands. All right, next team is uh, Austria. Austria, known as Das Team, or the the Red, White, Reds. Uh, Austria has a population of 9 million people, and it's a landlocked country in Central Europe, uh, southeast of Germany and northeast of Italy, uh, and sharing borders with both those countries. All right. Well, team number three is Sweden. Yeah, Sweden, known as the Blagolt, or the the Blue and Yellow in Swedish. Um, Sweden has a population of 10.5 million, um, and Sweden's a large country in Northern Europe, uh, bordered by Norway to its west, and then Finland and the Baltic Sea to its east. Okay. Uh, fourth team is Azerbaijan. Right. Azerbaijan, known as the national team, uh, they have 10.3 million, so just a shade under Sweden. Um, formerly part of the USSR, um, Azerbaijan is a country on the Caspian Sea that shares borders with Iran, Armenia, Georgia, and Russia. Okay. And finally, Estonia. Estonia, known as the Blue Shirts. Uh, Estonia is a small country with just 1.3 million people. Uh, It's also formerly part of the USSR, uh, but it's in Northern Europe, uh, sitting across the Baltic Sea from Sweden and sharing borders with Latvia and Russia. 
Okay, well, uh, let's do a direct comparison of the size of the countries. Pretty interesting because I think they're fairly close here. Yeah, you have uh, four countries within one and a half million people. Uh, so Belgium is 11.6, Sweden is 10.5, Azerbaijan right behind at 10.3 million people, and Austria 9 million people. So yeah, four countries, very similar size. Um, the outlier there is Estonia uh, with 1.3 million people. That's just about 10% of kind of the average of the other four. Right, okay, pretty interesting uh, uh, comparison there. So let's move on to uh, part two of the podcast where we uh, delve into the history of the country. So we'll begin with Belgium's uh, participation and achievements. So their first international game was in 1904. And they're among the most senior of teams, having been one of the four European teams to travel to Uruguay for the first World Cup in 1930. And they've entered every cup uh, except for 1950 when they withdrew. Uh, they didn't actually enter the first Euro Cup in 1960, but they participated every time after that. Uh, peculiarly, when they've done well in World Cup play, they haven't done well in Euro Cup play. And the reverse is also true, at least until recently. Uh, generally, their record is weaker in the Euro Cup, uh, though their best results in the 1970s, that's uh, third in 1972 and second in 1980, were not matched in their World Cup play, uh, where reaching the group stage in 1970 was their best result around that time. Uh, they came into better form in the World Cup in the 1980s and finished fourth in 1986, and that remains their best result uh, in the World Cup until recently. Uh, okay, let's take an overview of their World Cup. Yeah, they have a long history, as you mentioned. Um, Belgium qualified for each of the first three World Cups, uh, but never got past the first round. Uh, from 1950 to 1980, uh, they only qualified twice, though. That was in 1954 and 1970, and both those times, again, not getting past the first round. From 1982, however, they were consistent qualifiers, reaching it an impressive six times in a row, and more, uh, more impressively, even, uh, passing the group stage in five of those times. So the 2006 World Cup, however, broke that qualifying streak and they failed again in 2010 uh, before returning with an impressive squad. They earned a quarters finals finish in 2014 and came third in 2018, uh, their best result, which outdid their fourth place finish in 1986. All right. Well, we said the Euro Cup uh, was quite different and let's take a, an overview of that. Uh, much weaker in the Euro Cup. However, their best period here filled a gap where they failed to qualify for the World Cup. So despite not reaching the 1974 and 1978 World Cups, they finished third in Euro 1972 and second in Euro 1980. Uh, beyond that, until 2016, they only reached the Cup twice. Uh, that was in 1984 and then when they co-hosted in 2000. And they failed to pass the group stage in each case. Uh, this during a period where, as Connor just uh, showed us, they were reaching every World Cup and passing the group stage regularly. Uh, their long absence from the Cup was finally redressed with a convincing qualification by their new generation in 2016. 
But the quarterfinal finish there was seen as a bit of a disappointment since their impressive squad had only a few moments of brilliance and fell to a lesser team in Wales. Uh, they also fell at the quarterfinals in 2020. Okay, let's get into their uh, qualifying history. So we said they didn't enter the 1960 uh, Euro Cup in, in France there. Uh, so they joined in the second one. And do you want to take it away there? Yeah, so they uh, they joined in 1964. Uh, they were quickly out in the first knockout round of three, uh, losing both legs to Yugoslavia. And 1968 switched to a group-style qualification, and they were competitive. They bested group winners France, but lost twice to Poland, uh, nevertheless finishing in second above them, um, but that not enough to qualify. That's right, because there were only four, uh, four teams making the cup in these days. So 1972 started a good period that saw them reach three of the next four cups. 1972 started with uh, three home games and three wins. Um, uh, they, they won, right? Oh. They won their next also. Yeah, sorry, I got lost there. Uh, they won their next also, uh, a loss in Scotland and a tie in Portugal, uh, not preventing them from finishing first. So since the tournament, as I said, only allowed four teams, a further playoff round was necessary, and they bested Italy to reach the cup, where uh, despite hosting, they finished uh, only third, third of four. Uh, in 1976, they were bested by East Germany, but still managed to finish first. Uh, but this time they lost in the subsequent play uh, playoff. Netherlands, who were at the peak of their form uh, in 1976, uh, beat them 5 nothing in the first round or in the first leg and also beat them uh, at home in the second leg. So they didn't reach that cup. 1980 saw the tournament expand to eight teams, and Belgium went undefeated through qualifying, uh, oddly tying their first four games, then winning their last four. Uh, that led them to what remains their best Euro Cup finish of second place. They qualified again in 1984 in exactly the same manner as in 1972, winning the first four, then losing and tying in the last two. However, it would be their last appearance at the Cup uh, for 16 years until 2000. All right, so in 1988, they didn't make it. It saw them actually starting strong and finishing weak, undefeated in their first five games, but then losing two towards the end. So they finished third in the tight group uh, behind Ireland and Bulgaria. Uh, the top four, they're all separated by two points. And 1992 was a poor showing. Uh, they beat Luxembourg twice, but otherwise managed only a home draw with second place Wales, uh, Germany taking the only advancing spot there. For, and this was the last of the uh, eight team edition of the tournament. In 1980, it became eight teams. And in 1996, became 16. Yeah, and in 1996, they finished third in qualifying again. Their road record was better than at home but a record of 4-3-3 three, and three left them well behind Spain and Denmark. 2000 was their only tournament appearance between 1984 and 2016, and they qualified by co-hosting. Uh, that it was a weak period is evident in dropping at the group stage despite playing all games at home. 
Yeah, well, they lost at home uh, to Bulgaria in the opener of their 20 uh, or 2004 campaign. But despite winning their last three games, all of them at home, it was third place again. Uh, the top three teams separated by just one point there. Uh, 2008 was worse still, uh, finishing fifth in a large group of eight teams. Uh, that opened with a home draw against Kazakhstan. And they finished well ahead of Kazakhstan, but well behind fourth place Finland. 2012 at least returned them to third place, but they lost both games to Germany and were bested by Turkey. A draw with Azerbaijan ultimately ruining their campaign. And of course, they meet Azerbaijan here. Mm -hmm. uh, 2014 World Cup qualifying introduced a new generation and it carried them to the 2016 Euro Cup. Though bested by the troublesome Wales, they otherwise only suffered a draw in Bosnia-Herzegovina, and that consistency saw them to a first-place finish. Okay, so we're in the golden generation, and uh, that takes us to the most recent Cup, uh, Euro 2020, so we'll take a closer look at that one. Yeah, I just want to comment on uh, Belgium's recent generation. Um, you know, those who have followed soccer for the last 10 years would think of Belgium as kind of a world power, but... From the history we just did, that's really not the case, which might be surprising to some people. Yeah, yeah, that's good to point out. A bit of a recency bias uh, for Belgium. Yeah. Anyways, we'll look at 2020. Um, and they had a commanding qualification uh, over Russia, Scotland, and a couple other weaker teams, winning all games and finishing with a goals record of 40 scored and three against. Wow. Uh, in the tournament, they won all games over Russia, Denmark, and Finland to finish first in the group stage. They beat Portugal in the round of 16, but fell to eventual, eventual champions Italy in the quarterfinals. A disappointing end uh, to the team that came in ranked number one in the world by FIFA. Yeah, well, you can see through that qualification and uh, all the way to, to when they lost, uh, why there's a recency bias, hey? Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to their most recent tournament, the World Cup in uh, 2022. So Belgium had a comfortable qualification, tying only second place Wales and third place Czech Republic on the road and finishing five points clear first in their qualifying group. However, it was a dire performance at the World Cup, uh, even in their opening win against Canada, uh, who dominated them. A loss to Morocco and a goalless draw with Croatia saw them finish third in the group an utterly disappointing tournament uh, for what might be the last blast for their golden generation. Yeah, yeah, the golden generation has never really lived up. Uh, they've often been ranked first uh, in, in the rankings, but never really, never really quite did it at a tournament, did they? Yeah, and, and I, I think, um, you know, this was the last chance. We're not all for all their players, but for some of them, for sure. Yeah, we'll take a look at their players uh, uh, shortly here. But first, let's look at the 2022-23 uh, nation, uh, Nations League. They were in League A there. Yeah, they were in League A. Um, they opened with a 4-1 a home loss to, uh, to Netherlands and followed that up with a 6-1 win over Poland. Um, they tied Wales after that. Wales, a team that they meet a lot and, and often uh, <laughs> gives them trouble. Yeah. Um, it was two more wins after that, but they lost uh, their final game 1-0 away to Netherlands. So Netherlands taking six points off them. And so Belgium finished behind Netherlands um, in second place. Yeah, that's a pretty inconsistent performance, eh? 4-1 loss in their opener uh, at home, and then a 6-1 win uh, in the second game. 
Yeah, a bit inconsistent. And although they were playing some good teams, maybe showed a couple, um, you know, chinks in the armor um, heading into that World Cup. Yeah, well, they'll be happy not to meet, uh, meet Wales or Belgium or Netherlands here, I should say. And we'll finish with a, a look at their players. So, uh, as Connor alluded to, the big question is whether their golden generation is at an end. Uh, certainly, some players are aged out. Uh, Simon Mignolet and Toby Aldevarelde and uh, Eden Hazard all announcing retirement. Uh, several others, well into their 30s, didn't play in the opening games of 2024 qualification here. And uh, they may be added to the list of retirements. Uh, only Jan Vertonghen, Kevin De Bruyne and Thomas Mounier, uh, they're aged 35 and 31 and 31 respectively. Uh, only those uh, players played in the opening set um, last March. So Yannick Carrasco of La Atletico Madrid and Romelu Lukaku of Inter Milan are 29 years old. So some of the old guard uh, do seem to have a tournament uh, or so left in them. Um, the following generation does have some talent, to be sure, but they're not affiliated with the top teams that the golden generation was. Uh, any comments on their players yourself, Connor? Um, no, I think you summed it up well. Um, you know, I think um, it would have been interesting to see that Belgium team at their very best in a tournament. Um, and I think a lot of neutrals kind of hoped for it, but we never quite saw it. You know, often tournaments, even if they started strong, kind of, fizzled out in unexpected manners. So, um, yeah, disappointing for sure. Yeah, and a big fizzling in the, in the last World Cup. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Uh, meanwhile, we move on to Austria. So we'll begin with an overview of their uh, participation and achievements. Uh, their first international game was in 1902, so a little bit before Belgium there. And they didn't participate in the first World Cup, but they were there for the second one. And in 1938, they were kind of tragically absorbed into the Nazi Germany team. A couple of interesting stories there uh, that I think we covered um, when we talked about them in, in terms of World Cup play uh, last time. But anyway, uh, we won't do it again here. They returned as an independent nation, but they did withdraw in both 1950 and 1962. And they participated consistently since. And they've never failed to participate in the Euro Cup from its beginning in 1960. So Austria has a proud history in the World Cup, reaching the semi-final twice in the early years, that's 1934 and 1954, and reaching the quarterfinals uh, twice around 1980. That was their peak though, and they qualified twice after that, uh, but never since 1998. Uh, Euro Cup replay, uh, Euro Cup play, uh, didn't reflect that peak around 1980, but instead has its own peak, even if it's a lesser one, in recent times, because they've reached three of the last four cups, and they also passed the group stage in 2020. All right, let's take a bit of a closer look at their World Cup, uh, uh, Connor. Yeah, the 1934 World Cup saw them finish in fourth place, and in 1938, their talent uh, was such that their best players were drafted by the Nazis to play for Germany. Uh, participation was inconsistent after the war, but they did earn their best result, which was third place uh, in 1954. Their fortune sank after that. They reached another peak with two quarterfinal finishes in 1978 and 1982. 
they would never pass the group stage after that. And from 1998, did not even reach the cup, uh, sinking as low as fourth place finishes in their qualifying groups uh, in 1994 and again in 2018. All right, let's uh, do an overview of the Euro Cup uh, before the deep dive. So the Euro Cup began at a time when they had become weak in World Cup play. And nevertheless, their peak of reaching two quarterfinals in the 1978 and 1982 World Cups only registers as a good qualification campaign in 1980 uh, Euro Cup. Uh, and even that still wasn't good enough to reach the Cup. After that, they finished in the bottom half of qualifying tables until reaching their first Euro Cup in 2008. Even then, they qualified by dint of hosting and suffered their worst qualification result in 2012. Uh, however, it wasn't the expansion of the Cup in 2016 that saw their qualifications in 2016 and 2020, but an improvement in form although that hasn't transferred over to World Cup play. Okay, let's uh, dive into uh, Euro Cup uh, qualifying history. Take it away. Austria entered uh, the first Euro Cup in 1960 and won the first of two rounds over Norway. However, they lost both legs of the second round to France, and it was as close really as they would come until 1972. All right, um, I, I got a little bit behind there. Okay, so 1964 saw them bested by Ireland in the first round of three. And we've seen that 1968 was the start of group stage qualification. And there they were undefeated at home, but earned only a draw in Finland on the road to finish third behind Greece. Uh, the final game actually between uh, Austria and Greece was abandoned due to uh, fan violence there. Austria lost their first two games in 1972, but won the next three to finish second behind Italy, but it wasn't an advancing position. The good form continued into 1976, where they won their first two games, but away losses towards the end had them finishing behind both Wales and Hungary. Yeah, 1980 was the closest they would come to the Cup uh, until recent times, though it was only a dull reflection of their excellent form in the surrounding World Cup campaigns. Uh, a competitive campaign here saw them tie Belgium twice, but finished first, uh, but sorry, but finished uh, second, just a point behind them, though they did finish ahead of Portugal and Scotland there. But uh, second in the five-team group did not earn them entry into the tournament, despite its expansion to eight teams that year. 1984 saw them win three games in succession at home, uh, followed up with the draw against West Germany. However, they lost their last three games all on the road and finished third. It was third again in 1988, where, apart from beating Albania twice, they otherwise managed only a home draw with Romania. All right, 1992 was their weakest campaign. Uh, started with a, a loss in the Faroe Islands. Uh, they did beat them at home, but otherwise they only tied Northern Ireland finishing well behind them in fourth and embarrassingly tied on points with fifth place Faroe Islands. Uh, but they bounced back in 1966, uh, sorry, 1996 uh, for a competitive campaign, though they unfortunately finished fourth, uh, although that was just one point behind second place Ireland, who advanced in the newly expanded campaign, uh, newly expanded tournament. 
2000 was even more heartbreaking. A home loss to Israel in their opener ended up costing them as they finished tied on points, only to see Israel advance while they lingered in third. 2004 was third also, but fully 10 points behind second place Netherlands. A loss in Moldova was a shameful result there. Right, uh, but in 2008, they finally qualified, uh, only on the basis of being co-host um, there. And in 2012, uh, they failed, finishing fourth in a tough group behind Germany, Turkey, and Belgium. The Cup expanded to 24 teams in 2016, but they would have qualified for the four-team edition with their performance. Uh, tying their opener at home to Sweden, they went to win... They went on to win all other games to finish first, eight points clear of Russia. That's uh, very impressive. Yeah, really, what a campaign. Okay, well, we'll see if they were able to keep that up in Euro 2020. That's their most recent campaign, so we'll go through it a bit more carefully. So Austria finished second in qualifying, uh, well behind Poland, uh, who bested them. Um, they lost away to bottom-place finishers Israel and Latvia but twice beat Macedonia in third and Slovenia in fourth. Um, in the tournament, they beat North Macedonia and top seed Ukraine, but lost to Netherlands to finish second in the group stage. Uh, they battled admirably with eventual champions Italy, uh, but lost in extra time, 2-1 uh, actually, in the round of 16. Yeah, that was a good game. Do you remember that one? I do. Um, I didn't have high hopes for Austria, um, I thought they'd kind of be, be brushed aside, but they played uh, incredibly well, very resilient. Um, but yeah, couldn't manage it in an exciting extra time. Yes, yes, all three goals coming in extra time there. That was a good one. Okay, let's uh, take a look at their most recent campaign, the 2022 World Cup. Yeah, so uh, Israel lost both to Denmark, uh, were bested by Scotland, and then traded home wins with Israel to finish behind them all. Fourth of six in the group stage, a poor result uh, for the pot two team. Nevertheless, they advanced to the regional playoffs due to their results in the 2020-2021 uh, Nations League. However, they lost to Wales um, at the first hurdle uh, in the semi-final leg. Wales popping up as troublemakers again there. Yeah. All right, and we'll finish with uh, a look at the 2022-23 UEFA Nations League. They were in uh, League A there. Yeah, the highest league. Um, they were in a group with Croatia, Denmark, and France. And that actually started with a stunning 3-0 win away in Croatia. Wow. Um, but they would only pick up one other point. That was a, uh, a draw with France at home. Um, so they finished last in the group and have been relegated to League B. Wow, that's a, a big start. Uh, not many teams win in Croatia. No. Okay, well, we'll finish with a look at their players. So their biggest names, uh, David Alaba, Marko Arnautovic, and Stefan Lehner, have all reached their 30s, but probably have a campaign or two left in them. 29-year-old uh, Marcel Sabitzer, uh, currently showing some good form with Manchester United, uh, can be added to that group. The rest of the team is fairly unremarkable, though. Uh, they play for respectable clubs, mostly in Germany, uh, with only a few playing for their top domestic teams, uh, Red Bull Salzburg and Austria Vienna. Uh, they do have enough youth coming into the team, but here, too, there's nothing really outstanding. Mm -hmm. 
All right, and we move on to our third team, Sweden. Uh, surprisingly, a top three team here. And we'll see why uh, a bit later. But uh, their first international game was 1908. And um, they're a more uh, senior team than many would guess. They missed only the first World Cup in 1930 and the first Euro Cup in 1960. And they've never failed to participate otherwise. Actually, they hosted an early World Cup in uh, 1958. And that was their best result uh, in the World Cup, second place there. And they also reached the semifinals of the 1992 Euro Cup. So that's their best result there. Yeah, and they hosted uh, in that one as well. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, let's go to a World Cup overview then. So Sweden have done well in World Cup history, particularly in the early years uh, where they reached the semifinals in three of the first five cups uh, and came second in 1958 when they hosted. So uh, a proud early history. Uh, third place in 1994 was by far their best result since. Uh, following that, they qualified for only half the tournament, but they did pass the group stage every time. A quarterfinal finish in 2018, their best result since the turn of the century. All right, well, let's uh, take an overview of the Euro Cup. So the Euro Cup is actually uh, more grim than the World Cup. They entered from the second cup in 1964, but didn't succeed in qualifying until 1992, and only then as host. However, they did reach the semi-final in 1992, uh, their best result in the Euro tournament. Uh, they didn't qualify in 1996, but from 2000, uh, which was an odd campaign that we'll detail below, uh, they have qualified consistently, uh, though they only made it past the group stage uh, in 2004. Uh, their three group stage exits since that time were unremarkable, but they did once again pass the group stage in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, all right, let's move on to their uh, Euro Cup qualifying history, and do you want to take it away there? Yeah, so as you mentioned, Sweden did not enter the first Euro Cup in 1960. In the second edition, they bested Norway, then Yugoslavia in the first two of three knockout rounds. However, they were themselves bested by USSR in the third. And that was as close as they would, as they would come to the Cup until 1984. Yes, uh, uh, 1968 uh, introduced the group qualifications, and Sweden finished third in each of their next four campaigns. So uh, in 1968, they bested Portugal over the first two games, but lost twice to group winners Bulgaria and finished behind them both. And then they went undefeated in their first four games of the 1972 campaign, but lost the last two games away in Austria and Italy to finish behind them both. 1976 saw them lose their first two games at home to Yugoslavia and Northern Ireland, ultimately finishing third behind them. The last of the third place finishes in 1980 was the weakest, and it actually ended with a draw in Luxembourg. Ooh, ouch, that's never good. Okay, those four third-place finishes uh, incongruously took place during successful qualifications for three World Cups in a row in the 1970s. Conversely, while they uh, failed to reach the World Cup in the 1980s, Euro Cup performances showed a marked improvement. So such was the case in 1984, despite a poor start. 
Uh, with only a draw over their first two games, they won all others except for a home loss to group winner Romania. Um, they twice beat Italy to help condemn them to fourth place, and they finished second. Uh, but even though the cup had expanded to eight teams by this point, it was only Romania in first place who advanced. 1988 saw them undefeated in the first six games and winning all at home, but it fell apart at the end with losses to Portugal and group winners Italy, again finishing second and not advancing. Okay, and do you want to continue? Yes, uh, on to 1992. Uh, that was their first Euro Cup qualification, uh, but they reached it by dint of hosting, uh, which takes our story to 1996 when the tournament expanded to 16 teams. This time, second place was an advancing position, uh, but a poor performance had Sweden finishing third behind Switzerland and Turkey, though this would be the last time they failed to qualify. Yes, they rebounded in 2000 uh, with an excellent campaign. Um, a tie in England was their only uh, dropped point, and they finished ahead of England and Poland in first. Uh, just as they had in their 1990 World Cup campaign. And 2000 saw them grouped with the surprising Latvia, who bested them. However, consistency saw them through in first place ahead of Latvia, uh, as they otherwise suffered only one draw. Yeah, and just to clarify, that was in 2004? Yeah, oh, um, okay. Uh, 2008 was a competitive campaign in a large seven-team group. Uh, despite being bested by Northern Ireland, they finished ahead of them in second uh, to advance directly. They qualified similarly in 2012 um, in second place behind Netherlands this time. Right, and 2016 started with two draws to Russia and Austria, who they meet here. Uh, later in the campaign, they lost to both of those countries in back-to-back -back games and so finished in third behind them. Uh, in the newly expanded tournament, though, third place advanced them to their first Euro Cup playoff. They had never been in a, in a playoff before. Uh, and they won that by besting Denmark. Ooh, old rivals. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, though, that they hadn't been in a playoff uh, uh, in all of their history, Euro Cup history, until 2016. Yeah, that is, that is quirky as kind of a second-tier team. Second yeah. place often being a, a playoff spot. Yeah, especially uh, especially given that. All right, well, let's uh, take a closer look at the Euro Cup in 2020, their most recent Euro, uh, Euro tournament. Uh, so, yeah, Sweden were bested by Spain, uh, finishing behind them, but they finished second in the qualifying group, um, including ahead of Norway, who they tied twice. They won all their games against Romania, Faroe Islands, and Malta, so they qualified automatically. Uh, in Euro 2020, uh, they opened with a draw against Spain uh, and then beat Slovakia. Uh, they looked to finish with a tie against uh, second seed Poland in the third game, but an injury time uh, goal gave them the win and a first place finish in the group stage, impressive for the third seeded team. It also paired them with the beatable Ukraine in the round of 16, but just as a matter was going to penalties, Ukraine scored an injury in uh, an injury time of extra time uh, to knock them out. So a heartbreaking exit um, at the last Euros. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, let us move on to the 2022 World Cup and see how they fared there. Uh, Sweden won uh, all games at home, even over group winner Spain, uh, who they seem to meet with uh, 
kind of uh i'd say alarming frequency um, yeah, but, really yeah um, we'll look at that in the head to head actually um yeah but uh, uh sweden were poor on the road losing three of four uh even to greece and georgia um and that dropped them to second uh in the qualifying group uh they beat the czech republic in extra time of the regional playoff semi-final but they fell to poland uh in the regional playoff final um that was the last stage before the world cup uh so they didn't make it to qatar yeah didn't make it okay well we'll finish with the 2022 uefa nations league uh results and uh, they were in group b there yeah um a bit of parallel to austria actually they opened impressively with the win on the road a 2-0 win over uh, slovenia but then just picked up a, a one more point uh, that was in the home fixture against slovenia losing both to norway and serbia so sweden actually finished bottom of league b um, and have been relegated to league c for the next edition um, so that's uh, quite a surprise you'd think for sweden to find themselves there really really humiliating result there and actually that's what put them in uh, pot three here but as you said earlier they really are a second tier team yeah well it kind of has repercussions you know that poor performance in the nations league yeah uh, they wouldn't well, feel that. we'll have to see how they recover from that but i'm sure they'll be anxious to get out of league c Okay, well, we'll finish with a look at their players. And uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, at 41 years old, is still playing for AC Milan and for the national team. Uh, he's only actually played smatteringly over the past couple of years. But all games involving him since late in World Cup 2022 qualification have been a disaster. The only other veteran with top club affiliation is captain Viktor Lindelof with Manchester United. Uh, others on the team play for respectable second and third tier uh, clubs. Uh, they do have some promising youth in uh, 22-year-old Dejan uh, Kulisevsky of Tottenham. He's uh, yeah, 22. And uh, in 23-year-old Alexander Isak of Newcastle. And there's also 19-year-old uh, Yasan Ayari um, uh, at a respectable club. So uh, some some good youth coming into the team here. Yeah. Well, we you've actually, to... you talked about Ibrahimovic, but you kind of um, have long kind of mentioned or brought up this uh, unusual record he has with Sweden. I, I'm not sure if you want to talk about it here or not, uh, just briefly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very odd. Like, as I say, he's kind of played smatteringly and it's it's... It's not always his fault because sometimes he's come on with like 17 minutes left or something, but it just seems whatever game he plays in uh, turns out to be a bit of a disaster for uh, Sweden. So if we go back to the uh, World Cup uh, playoff finals, uh, I think he wasn't involved in the one against Czech Republic, which they won, but then uh, was involved in the one against Poland. Um, and so, yeah, if you look at his record, he... He has he hasn't been doing. Uh, it's more more of a bad luck charm than actually uh, his play. Unless you have an opinion on that, whether I I, I gotta say Sweden is not a team uh, to me that that um, does well with a superstar so much. I think they tend to do better when they're as a team. And so I I, I kind of wonder if Ibrahimovic was a bit disruptive to their team ethic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, despite having uh, Ibrahimovic, they haven't really kind of achieved many great heights with him in their squad. So, um, 
yeah, perhaps rebuilding around youth could uh, perhaps open up a, a new exciting chapter for Sweden. Yeah, I, I was going to say at the end there, I'm sure these guys like Alexander Isak and Kulisevsky won't be delighted to be playing in Group C of the Nations League. Yeah. All right, well, we'd better move on to uh, Azerbaijan. Uh, our fourth team, and we'll begin with uh, an, uh, their participation and achievement. So uh, their first international game was in 1992, uh, September 1992, actually, and first entered the European Cup in 1996, and they've entered all competitions uh, since then. Um, they have not come close to qualifying, uh, finishing last or second last in every campaign. World Cup campaigns have been slightly better, finishing out of last place three times in a row from 2010 to 2018, and fourth of six in their best campaign in 2014. In Euro Cup play, they've also avoided bottom spot three times, uh, twice in a row in 2012 and 2016, but they've never done better than that. Take a closer look at their World Cup record. Uh, World Cup qualification saw them finishing last in their first three campaigns. Uh, but after improving that to second last from 2010, uh, they returned to the bottom uh, in 2022. They've earned points in every campaign, usually at home, uh, and by stealing points from teams ranked well above them. Um, there's a fairly steady, steady pattern of improvement, um, adding some good away results from 2014. Um, in 2022, they turned abruptly um, downward with the worst World Cup run in their history. So a bit surprising, but maybe they'll bounce back. Yeah, and then uh, this is kind of establishing our theme of uh, pigeon among the cats or pigeons among the cats because Azerbaijan is a, a spoiler team. Uh, and it could be interesting in a group with uh, 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 teams that are readily spoiled, or, you know. But we'll get to that later and we will go to our Euro Cup overview. So uh, slow improvement is the pattern in Euro campaigns, but uh, it is a bit more muted. So while they continue a tradition of at least one spoiler result in every campaign, uh, their improvement started from a lower base and progressed a bit slower. Uh, so a jump in their form in 2012 matches the trajectory of their World Cup play, but so unfortunately does a poor showing in their most recent campaign. And we'll get into that as we enter our deep dive into their Euro qualifying history. Um, Azerbaijan's first Euro Cup qualification run was in 1996, just as the Cup expanded from eight to 16 teams. It hardly mattered in their case as they lost the first nine, but ended the campaign with a home draw with Poland uh, a, spo a spoiler result which caused the Poles to finish fourth, a point behind Slovakia. Uh, that campaign included a 10-0 uh, loss to France. Their goals against record was respectably under three per game, and without that loss would have been an admirable 1.9. Uh, this, their first entry into competition, uh, established a reputation of at least one spoiler result in their campaigns. Yeah, 2000 uh, saw them exchanging home wins with Liechtenstein, but they finished ahead of them. A tie against Portugal towards the end spoiled Portugal's first place finish uh, as they ended a point behind Romania. 
uh, although both Romania and Portugal advanced there. Uh, Liechtenstein also earned a point on a spoiler result, but Azerbaijan finished ahead based on a much better goal difference. So they had allowed 2.6 goals per game, a record uh, ironically made worse by their biggest loss, loss which was a 7 nothing thrashing by Portugal uh, in the first leg between them. 2014 saw them victimize Serbia and Montenegro by besting them. Hang on, that's uh, 20, 2004. Thank you. Um, yeah. These were the only results for Azerbaijan, but it once again spoiled the campaign, and more seriously this time. Serbia and Montenegro finished third, a point behind Wales, and would have advanced but for those dropped points. Uh, 2008, though, was less impressive. Two draws with Kazakhstan and a tie with Finland was all they earned over 12 games in their massive eight-team group. A goals against average of 2.3 was their best yet. Yes. Uh, In 2012, they exchanged home wins with Kazakhstan and finished first, uh, uh, sorry, finished ahead of them thanks to a home win over second place Turkey and a home draw with third place Belgium. So it was another serious spoiler result because it cost Belgium an advancing spot. Uh, In 2016, they bested Malta to finish above them. A tie in Norway was uh, was only their second point earned away from home. Uh, Wow, really in their history. Uh, It arguably spoiled uh, Norway's campaign as they finished a point behind Croatia, but Azerbaijan had also tied Croatia in the following game, so the damage to each team was equal. Uh, And I guess we'll move on to Euro 2020. Yeah. Um, So Azerbaijan managed only a single point in qualifying, but it was a big one, a home tie to group winner Croatia. However, it was otherwise a poor campaign, losing all their matches to Wales, Slovakia, and Hungary, uh, and finishing last by far, though I, I guess that was a, a difficult group for them. Yeah, it was with uh, uh, Hungary kind of coming into better form and uh, Wales in pretty good form too. Um, yeah, but kind of interesting though, like a lot of their spoiler results are against pretty good teams. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, for uh, Azerbaijan... It, it was their worst points tally since their first campaign in 1996. But um, in fairness, there was no really weak team in this group for them to uh, to take points off. Uh, that is true. But uh, let's take a look at World Cup 2020 because there was kind of a, a weaker team there. Um, so here, their only point was a tie in Ireland. And they even lost both games to Luxembourg. Wow. Yeah. Uh, to finish last of five in their qualifying group. Yeah, so a little kind of hard to put a finger on uh, Azerbaijan. Uh, kind of a good spoiler team, but uh, haven't really shown that as much in the last two campaigns, which were quite poor. But let's yeah. see if they did any better in the uh, UEFA Nations League. There. In 2023, they were in, uh, sorry, 2022-23, they were in League C. This is where uh, Sweden's going to be. Yeah, um, they could meet Azerbaijan because Azerbaijan remained in League C. Um, they actually only picked up one point from their first three games, but then won their last three uh, matches against Belarus, Slovakia. That was an away win. And Kazakhstan, so they finished um, second in the group, but actually three points ahead of Slovakia, so uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, and this is the form uh, uh, they're coming into. Um, 
you know, coming into this round with, so kind of coming in on a good note there. Yeah, they'll be eager to prove their last two campaigns where they got a point each were just anomalies. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's finish with a look at their players. They have uh, very few, few players with teams abroad. The two most recognizable affiliations are uh, Grasshopper in Switzerland. Uh, that's uh, where Renat Dadashov plays. And uh, Konyaspor in Turkey, uh, Mahir Emreli uh, with that team. Uh, and these are actually two of the younger players in a fairly aged squad. So most of the um, starters are in their 30s or in their late 20s. Okay, and we will finish with uh, uh, Estonia, the fifth team, and um, begin with their participation and achievements. So uh, their first international game was in 1920, and uh, surprisingly, in tournaments, they are also a senior team, having entered qualification for the 1934 and 1938 uh, World Cups. Did you know that? No, I'm very surprised by that. Yeah. Uh, it was only later that they became part of the USSR, but then came back into existence in the 1990s. So uh, they're one of three, uh, one of the three Baltic teams, uh, which include Latvia and Lithuania. Estonia hasn't qualified for any cups and usually finish in the bottom half of the table, though rarely at the very bottom. Only once in their World Cup record did they do so. Uh, that was on their return to competition in 1994 and twice in Euro Cup action. Again, that was their first entry in 1996 and recently in 2020. So like Azerbaijan, kind of uh, poor form in recent competition. Anyway, twice they have finished in the top half of the table. Both of those were in Euro Cup qualification runs. They came third of six in 2000. That was their second Euro Cup campaign. And an impressive second of six in 2012, which earned them a passage to a final playoff, their best result by far. Connor, quiz time. Do you know who that final playoff was against? I do not. I think we covered it in a previous podcast or a previous media cast series, but I can't recall. I think you're going to kick yourself, lad. Oh, hang on. I, I went to Scottish. Ah, sure. I think you're going to kick yourself over this one. Was it the Irish? It was. <laughs> okay, uh, that went a bit haywire. Let's continue on with the World Cup uh, overview. Uh, in 1934 and 1938, they were in qualification groups, but they failed in both cases. Their return in 1994... Uh, no, 1994, yeah. Yeah, saw them lose all 10 games in their 16 group but they steadily improved to a competitive mid-table finish in 2006. They fell after that, but repeated with a similar performance in 2018 qualification. In neither campaign, however, did they rise to the top of the table. Top half of the table, yeah. Uh, okay, Euro Cup overview. Uh, that was similar across all games in their first campaign. However, they became competitive more quickly and came third of six in their second campaign. Uh, they grew a bit less competitive after that, even in 2008, uh, after their best World Cup run. Uh, a surprising campaign, though, in 2012 saw them finish second ahead of Serbia to reach the UEFA playoff, 
where they lost heavily to uh, Ireland. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. That's all right, I should have known. <laughs> shame, shame on you. Uh, they fell back to the bottom half of the table in 2016 and in 2020 turned in their worst performance uh, since their first. So we'll take a closer look at some of those performances in our deep dive and beginning with 1996. Yeah, it was a painful introduction to the European scene as Estonia lost all games in their opening uh, uh, campaign, um, actually in World Cup qualification in 1994, and then followed that up by losing all 10 games in the Euro 1996 campaign as well. Um, it was a tough group with neighbours uh, Lithuania performing well to finish third, but they came last behind Slovenia, uh, whose strength was actually shown in qualifying for the uh, following cup. Yeah, so it turned out to be a fairly tough group, and they did much better in uh, 2000. Uh, the campaign began with a 5 nothing win over Faroe Islands, and uh, this time they proved themselves the equals of Lithuania, exchanging away wins with uh, them. Uh, despite being bested by Bosnia-Herzegovina, they finished in third above them, and uh, behind Scotland, who they also tied. So that would be their only top half table, uh, top half of the table finish until 2012. 2004 opened with a draw in Croatia, and they later tied winners Bulgaria uh, to affect matters at the top of the table. Otherwise, they beat Andorra to finish ahead of them. 2008 also saw home and away wins over Andorra to finish ahead of them but otherwise they only tied in fourth place Macedonia. All right, well, we've talked about 2012, that was impressive. Uh, they bested Serbia in the first half of the campaign, but they seemed to undermine themselves with a loss to Faroe Island. Uh, after that, however, they won all three games over Slovenia, as well as home and away to Northern Ireland. Uh, Serbia's loss to Slovenia in the last game handed second place to Estonia, who went on to play Ireland in their first ever UEFA playoff. But it was all over when they lost their home leg 4 nothing, and then a tie in the second leg was their cold comfort. Uh, that raised hopes coming into the newly expanded tournament in 2016, especially after an opening win over Slovenia. However, a loss in Lithuania and a draw in San Marino, ouch. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That actually gifted San Marino their only point ever um, in Euro qualifying. Oh, double um, ouch. Yeah. So that poured water on hopes of a campaign similar to 2012. Um, beating both those teams at home shortly after made up uh, the total of their points, and they finished fourth of six um, ahead of neighbors Lithuania. Right. Uh, tied on points with Lithuania, but finishing ahead of them. And let's see how they did in uh, 2020. I think we've already said... Uh, this was their worst campaign in a long time. Yeah, um, they managed only a draw in Belarus um, to finish the last of five in their uh, qualifying group. Uh, Germany, Netherlands, and Northern Ireland were the other teams, um, all of them beating Estonia twice. So just a single point. Yeah, some pretty heavy losses there. 8 nothing in Germany and uh, uh, 4 nothing at home to Netherlands and 5 nothing away. Pretty, uh, yeah. pretty brutal. Okay, let's see if they did any better in World Cup 2022. Uh, so uh, Estonia traded home wins with Belarus and otherwise earned a tie in Wales, um, who finished second. 
Uh, that was enough to see them fourth of five in the qualifying group, uh, Belarus being the only team below them. All right. Well, let's finish with their 2022-23 uh, UEFA Nations League campaign. They were actually in Group D there, or in League D. Yeah, the bottom league. Um, they had two opponents, uh, just Malta and San Marino. And although Estonia won all four of their games, it really wasn't as impressive as, as you'd think. Um, they required late goals in both of their games against Malta, uh, home and away, to beat them 2-1 in each case. Um, and then, you know, they overcame fair, uh, the feeble San Marino um, to uh, to finish first. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I'm laughing here. Uh, like, you couldn't put together a weaker group uh, apart from Estonia. Like, uh, if they didn't win all games there, they, there's no lower that they could go. Yeah. Uh, okay, so anyway, so they will be uh, moving up to League C, so perhaps uh, joining Azerbaijan and Sweden there. And we'll finish with a, a look at their um, uh, a look at their players. So the teams uh, the team seems divided between players who are 30 years or older and then players who are 26 or younger. So the veterans mostly play in Estonia for little known clubs. Uh, uh, well, in Estonia or little-known clubs in other countries. Uh, the youth, however, look quite promising. They have five players, 21 or younger, who are on the rosters of Arsenal, uh, Tottenham, Roma, Utrecht and Spal, uh, all bigger clubs than any of their veterans. So uh, perhaps Estonia has the ingredients to come back into form. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting, a, a neat observation. Yeah. Okay, well, let us move on to uh, part three, and we're going to begin that, uh, changing our format a little bit. We're going to begin by looking at the pots that they came from. Um, the UEFA rankings are quite different, as we'll see, from the, from the uh, FIFA or ELO rankings, but they were placed into pots according to their UEFA rankings here. So uh, do you want to take us through that? Yeah, those, uh, those rankings for the pots came strictly from the most recent Nations League. Um, Belgium are the pot one team. Uh, they were ranked seventh overall. Um, Austria are the pot two team, but they actually had the worst record of all, um, of all 12 League A teams. So they didn't perform well, but by virtue of being in League A, ended up in pot two. Um, Sweden, on the other hand, their poor performance... Um, put them in pot three, and on top of that, they were second bottom in pot three. So they were basically halfway down the list of, of UEFA teams, which is not where they normally find themselves. Yeah, a really big difference between uh, second from the pot two, uh, second from the top pot two, Austria and Sweden. Uh, uh, just a huge gap uh, in yeah, UEFA rankings, at least. Yeah, 17 teams, uh, or 17 teams between them. But, you know, perhaps not reflective of their actual strength. Yeah, um, for sure. Following that, you have Azerbaijan, who are from the middle of pot four. And then um, with Estonia's dominant performance in uh, League D, not really. Um, <laughs> they're in pot five. Um, and yeah. kind of from the bottom there. That's right. Okay, well done. And, uh, yeah, as we say, not really reflective of their strength. So let's see how they're ranked among... Uh, or, or ranked by FIFA and ELO rankings. Yeah, so Belgium are fourth in the world um, in FIFA. Um, that was in December 2022. Um, and then 10th in ELO 
Um, they've dropped actually quite a bit in ELO because they, as you mentioned earlier, they were first in both rankings as recently as June 2021. Um, but some the poor performance in the most recent World Cup has seen them slip down a little bit. Yeah, and I like that you pointed out earlier. I mean, even as far back as, say, uh, uh, 2013, they were 12th in the world uh, in FIFA and 18th in ELO. And uh, as we saw throughout their history, they would have been you know, just a, a probably a third-tier team for, for long parts of their history. Yeah. Uh, how about Austria? Austria are 34th in both ranking systems. Um, they've actually slipped a little bit, especially in FIFA ranking, where they were 22nd in December 2018. Um, their, their ELO ranking has stayed more consistent, sometimes up to 20, sometimes down to the 40s, but 34th kind of a, a long-term average. Yeah, but really a lot of volatility uh, in their ranking uh, up up to uh, 10th in 2016. This is FIFA rankings. I mean, 2013, 76th. So that's a bit extreme. We don't like the FIFA rankings as much. But uh, uh, kind of similar volatility. Uh, um, I mean, they just really are a volatile team going through some really weak periods and some pretty strong periods. Yeah. So Sweden, despite being the pop three team, um, are actually ranked ahead of uh, Austria in both systems. They're 23rd in FIFA and 29th in ELO. Um, Sweden have kind of been around the 20th mark in both systems for a while. Um, this is a rise from December 2016 when they were 41st in FIFA and 25th in ELO. Yeah, I mean, a bit all over the place too. And that kind of, uh, you know, this is kind of... Um playing into the theme, my theme of the uh, pigeons among the cats, because all of these teams, Belgium, Austria, and Sweden, uh, you know, uh, have a lot of volatility. So if they're caught at a weak time here, they could really be uh, um, uh, damaged by the teams below. All right, moving on to Azerbaijan. They're 121st in FIFA and 99th in ELO. Um, in terms of FIFA rankings, they've kind of always been around the 100th mark, though have dropped recently with their, their recent poor campaigns, which we touched on, um, typically kind of around like the 110 mark. Um, and uh, in, in ELO, they've often been below 100, but have actually recently crept above that, perhaps based on their Good Nations League uh, campaign. Yeah, a bit of volatility there too. They're going to be hoping that they bring the form they showed from 2014 to 2016, uh, in which case they could be a good spoiler team here. And then Estonia are actually ranked ahead of Azerbaijan in, in both systems. We'll, we'll talk a bit about that later. They're 109th in FIFA and 94th in ELO. Um, it's a bit of a drop um, in FIFA particularly, where they've been in the 80s and, and 90s in recent years. Um, but, um, yeah, kind of around where they've been recently in ELO. Yeah, I mean, pretty interesting that they are, are ranked despite being in League D uh, of uh, the Nations League, ranked ahead of uh, Azerbaijan. And we saw some uh, promising players come in. So, at the very least, it's going to be a good battle at the bottom between them and Azerbaijan. But I think this uh, group promises a bit more than that with uh hopefully these two teams coming back into their spoiler form. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a look at head-to-head uh, -head records. And we've organized these according to the teams uh, that have the better record generally. And then if they've never met, we've put them 
with the higher ranked team. So let's begin with Belgium. Yeah, Belgium have a better record against Austria, um, though it's only one win in four. Um, three draws are the other results. Yeah, they haven't met much. 2012 was the last time in Euro Cup qualifying. So uh, they did actually tie 4-4. That was their third tie in a row in history, 4-4, um, but haven't met recently. Um, Belgium, Sweden. Belgium has a winning record, four wins and two losses. Yeah, I want to go way back in history here to the 1924 Olympics. Uh, the Olympics kind of preceded the FIFA World Cup. And uh, uh, in the 24 Olympics, um, Belgium lost to Sweden 8-1. It was considered one of the biggest upsets in soccer history. Wow. Um, moving on to Belgium versus Azerbaijan. Belgium have a winning record, though it's not perfect. Three wins and a draw in their four meetings. Yeah, that uh, last meeting was also in 2012 Euro Cup qualifying. That was where the draw took place. And then Belgium versus Estonia, it's seven wins and a single loss uh, in favour of Belgium. Okay, and these guys did meet recently, actually, 2022 World Cup qualification. Uh, Belgium won both games there. Okay, the next matchup we'll talk about is Austria versus Sweden. They've actually met a lot. Austria has a better record at seven wins, two draws, and five losses, but it, it is competitive. Uh, yeah, they actually uh, met in the 1978 World Cup group stage, and uh, Austria won that one nothing. So uh, generally, uh, Austria uh, are the stronger team, and that was true in, in their most recent re meeting in 2016, where Austria bested the, uh, Sweden. Yeah, Austria-Azerbaijan, it's three wins and a draw in favour of Austria. Yeah, 2012 was uh, their last meeting, so not uh, not that current. And then Austria versus Estonia, it's two wins from two um, in favour of Austria. Yeah, that was way back in 1998, so um, probably, uh, well, it's probably the same nowadays, but uh, it doesn't count for much here. Uh, Sweden uh, versus Azerbaijan, they've only met once as well, um, or had one meeting. That was two wins for Sweden in the 2002 World Cup qualifying. Yeah, so quite a ways back there. And then Sweden and Estonia, they actually have a long history with Sweden winning uh, all four times they've met. Yeah, and two of those times were in uh, 1934 and 1938 World Cups. Uh, they tended to do qualification more regionally so uh, they're all in the baltic so uh, those were two of estonia's uh, historical games uh, sweden kind of uh, beat them up both times 6-2 and 7-2 uh, otherwise 1998 was the last time they met and then finally azerbaijan and estonia um are two are two cats among the pigeons they've never met <laughs> right uh, yes and i'm looking forward to seeing how they'll do uh, against each other here now let's look and see what the odds makers say in terms of uh, chances of teams uh, winning the group yeah so um belgium are favored at 83 percent. that's not maybe a huge surprise um austria the pot two team um have 21 percent um but sweden who's ahead of them in the rankings um has a 7.7 percent um so a ways back and then of the final two, Azerbaijan are slightly favored over Estonia, um, 0.2% to 0.18% for those yeah. two teams. 
Yeah, those are very low numbers, but they're not uh, they're not the numbers of feeble teams. All right, so uh, let's begin our discussion uh, with whether you agree with those odds. Uh, Belgium very high there at eighty three percent. Um, I don't entirely agree with the odds for a couple of reasons. Actually, um, I don't think Belgium should be as high as eighty three percent. I think that Austria and Sweden could pose a challenge to them. And I also disagree with Austria being three times more likely to win the group than Sweden. I would probably, maybe not quite reverse it, but I, I would actually give Sweden the edge over Austria. I know they performed weakly uh, recently, but I, I expect that's more of a blip. And I think they, they have some players like Izak in good form. Um, and I just see them as a bit of a stronger team overall. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have comments on that too. And uh, generally, I agree with you. I see them... Uh, pretty uh, even odds coming into this, but let's talk about Belgium first and uh, and why you think the eighty three percent is too high there. Yeah, I I just think um you know Belgium have a couple questions over them. Um, I mean I think they'll win the group. Um, I mean I guess I'll start by saying that, but I think Austria and Sweden um are both pretty good teams. They're both tough teams. Sweden, you know, a really tough pot three team when you look at some of the other teams around them. Um, and I think at a game level, they can both challenge Belgium. I, I think Belgium's had some recent campaign where they've won all 10 games. Um, I think those were weaker groups. Um, I think Sweden and Austria are both good enough to take points off Belgium. So I think Belgium will win the group, but they'll have to work for it. And, um, you know, I, I see it possible that they don't win the group. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you as far as that. I think uh, they'll probably win the group, but uh, not nearly as strong as the odds make out. I think uh, uh, their performance in in the World Cup there, uh, they just seemed so kind of tired, you know, and I wonder, to me, it kind of rang the ending of the golden generation. And we'll only have to look back about 10 years or so uh, to see uh, Belgium... Uh, basically the equal or or even lesser than uh, Austria and Sweden. So, um, yeah, that's just it. They're not a team that's always been, uh, been at the top. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, things are a little up in the air with their players. We talked about that uh, during the podcast that uh, some of the players are retired. Uh, some big names like Eden Hazard. Uh, some of the players like Kevin De Bruyne did play in the March games, but then some of them didn't. And it's a little unclear whether, uh, you know, just how many of that golden generation are are uh, not going to be part of this campaign or part of the upcoming tournament. Mm-hmm. Do you see um, it kind of a three teams fighting for first or do you see Belgium still a step ahead of the others? Yeah, I'd have to say uh, Belgium a step ahead of the others, but Austria is always a bit of a black box to me. They can be a really strong team. We saw was that 2020 their excellent qualif- like commanding qualification uh, for the 2020 Euro Cup, uh, and I think 2016 was also quite strong. Uh, and they can also be quite weak. Their name always kind of pops up with teams like Faroe Islands. Uh, getting their only win of the campaign over Austria. So they're so up and down that I could see them challenging for first here, and I could see them being challenged by uh, um, Azerbaijan and Estonia, which we'll talk about a bit later. Yeah. How do you see Austria and Sweden? 
yeah, as I said, I, I think they're even. I mean, Sweden can't remain uh, as as bad as they've looked over the last little while. Down to League C here, I'm sure they'll be insulted by that and, and be anxious to kind of prove themselves a better team. They're a solid uh, second-tier team. And um, even though they haven't done that well recently, uh, again, you don't have to look back far to see that they reached the final rounds, uh, like past the group stage of two tournaments uh, fairly recently. So this is not, um, you know, their three, their, their pot three ranking here is really ridiculous. I, I think I'm like you. I'd put them at least equal to or slightly ahead of Austria. Yeah. Of course, Sweden, they were only one step away from the World Cup. They fell to the final hurdle. So I think that's more representative of, of true Sweden. And I think they're probably more likely to challenge Belgium. And I think that, um, yeah, I, I think they'll probably um, be competitive and finish ahead of Austria potentially as well. Yeah, I think if Belgium falls back to their like pre-2014 form, uh, I mean, I think historically Sweden is a stronger team uh, than that. So, I mean, if they really fall back, uh, uh, if Belgium really falls back, then uh, Sweden could um, even take first over them. So I see this as a really exciting group. I think that top three could end anyway, even though I do kind of pep Belgium still. And you, we talked about spoilers kind of at the beginning and, and throughout the two spoiler teams. What do you make of them? Well, I'm kind of sad that uh, both of them are in kind of not spoiler form uh, in their last couple of campaigns. So I really wish they were kind of in their prime spoiler form because that would make a really exciting group. Uh, I think Estonia actually have a better chance of kind of coming back to that spoiler form. They finished second in 2012 uh, Euro Cup qualifying and we saw they had a good crop of new players who, uh, you know, it only takes a couple of good players on these weaker teams to to really improve their level. How about you? Yeah, I'm I'm not so optimistic about the spoiling possibilities. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes, I know Azerbaijan in particular have taken points off top teams, but really Sweden, who is a pot three team, should be a pot two team. Mm-hmm. And I see that resulting in a bit of a gap um, between you know, the top three and the bottom two. Um, I think, you know, pretty feeble campaigns by both teams recently has taken some of the um, potential spoiler factor away from them. And I think these teams, it may, you know, spoilers possible, but I think more likely they'll struggle to compete with the top three and and will likely take points off each other. So I, I hate to uh, um, <laughs> kind of go against your theory here, but... Um, Recent form is, is what's um, kind of changed my mind on this more than the historical uh, record. Yeah, I got to say, I'm always kind of uh, hoping that these weaker teams will uh, will um, perform well and, and cause a couple of spoiler results. I think probably Austria is the most susceptible uh, to a spoiler result. And, and as I said, when talking about them, um, I thought they of any other team could find themselves challenged in third place if they don't perform well, but uh, you don't think so. No, and I do agree Austria is the most susceptible. We saw it with Faroe Islands and other teams in the past, but um, I don't really see it here. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we will see how things turned out. We're going to look at the first set of games here. I actually don't know the results. I've been kind of keeping myself in the dark 
in preparation for this uh, media cast. But uh, Connor, I'm tired of waiting for you to commit. Tell me what's going to happen in this group. Uh, I'm going to say Belgium first, Sweden second. Of course, second is automatic qualification. Mm. Um, Austria third, and then some distance behind Azerbaijan fourth, Estonia fifth. All right. Well, I generally agree with you. I, I have Belgium, Sweden, Austria. I put Estonia fourth. I think uh, um, they might come back into more form than uh, Azerbaijan. So I put Azerbaijan fifth. But I think this could vary. Uh, I'm excited about this group because I do uh, have hold out the possibility of uh, Estonia challenging for third if one of these teams um comes in with some of the poor form that they've been showing uh, yeah. lately i think there's an outside chance of that well i'd love to see it um but why don't we get to the games okay here we go uh the first set of games uh well why don't you lead through it since i'm making the prediction there sure so uh austria versus azerbaijan is the first game yeah, so uh, Austria is a really unreliable team. So for me, a tie wouldn't shock here, but they are at home. So I think it would more likely be on the road. Uh, I'm, I am sure that Azerbaijan will get at least one spoiler result uh, in this campaign. And as we said, Austria is uh, maybe a susceptible team to that. Uh, it would be a surprise here with Austria at home. So I'm going to say 2-1 Austria. Um, it was 4-1, so a little further from the spoiler result, um, so a comfortable home win for Austria to start. Yes, that is a good show of consistency uh, from Austria, and they've been good over the last two campaigns, so uh, a good start for them. Uh, what about the next game? Next one's an intriguing game, especially based on our, our predictions. Sweden at home to Belgium. Uh, uh, and you, you already knew the result, right? That's correct. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to say, uh, you know, again, Sweden was a bit humiliated being relegated to League C. I think they will be anxious to put their best foot forward here. And uh, Belgium was so poor in the World Cup that I'm really curious how they're going to recover. Uh, I think I'm going to say 1-1 here. That's what I would have said. Um, but in fact, it was uh, a 3 nothing Belgium win. Oh, my um, goodness. Rom Romelu Lukaku getting a hat-trick. So that's a a statement in what I think was their their toughest game uh, of the campaign. Yeah, and maybe they're anxious to show um, uh, show that they are better than they looked in the World Cup, too. Okay, well, Sweden's still uh, struggling. That's a heavy loss. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the March 27 games. Um, so first up is Austria at home to Estonia. Yeah, well, I might have, uh, again, kind of um, predicted uh, the possibility of an upset here. But given how Austria performed in the first one, uh, I'm going to say 2 nothing Austria, uh, with a very slight possibility of Estonia surprising. Well, there was a very uh, slight possibility of that surprise. Um, it was 1-1 until the 88th minute when Austria sna snagged the winner. So um, you were right to, uh, to perhaps not underestimate Estonia, but... Um, for them, they were close, but not quite on the spoiler result. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the uh, in the reverse fixture there. Okay, right. and we yes. Uh, sorry, uh, Sweden versus Azerbaijan, um, the next match. Right. Uh, well, again, uh, Azerbaijan might have a better chance of spoiling if they were at home, and 
Uh, but Sweden has been in such poor form that um, a tie wouldn't shock me here, but uh, it definitely would be a surprise. So I'll say 2 nothing Sweden. Uh, Sweden actually returned to form with a 5-0 win. Um, I should say that the last two goals came in the 88th and 89th minutes um, to add some gloss, but it uh, doesn't change the fact that uh, Sweden uh, get off the mark. Yeah, and, do so well. and uh, yeah, we saw in the last couple of campaigns, Azerbaijan kind of lost, uh, losing their spoiler form a little bit here. So uh, it's too bad. But maybe, uh, maybe when they uh, start playing at home, we'll see a bit more of that form. Uh, now I will ask you about the upcoming games. Uh, June sees uh, Azerbaijan hosting Estonia. That's a good one. What do you think? That is a good one. Azerbaijan have two heavy defeats so far. But I did predict them to finish ahead of Estonia. So to do that, I'm going to say Azerbaijan win 2-1. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. And uh, I I did favor Estonia in my prediction. So I better go 1-1 here. All right. Uh, How about Belgium and Austria? Um, I do think Belgium will win. um, Not just for results so far. But... um, yeah, I'm going to say Belgium 2-0. Uh, I agree with you there. Austria uh, at least were consistent against the, the weaker teams, even though it was close with uh, Estonia. Um, uh, again, they're a bit of a black box, so they could surprise. But Belgium did look good uh, in their opening game, so I would say uh, 2-1. What did you say scoreline-wise? Two nothing. Two nothing. Okay, so we're pretty close on that one, and we'll just have to wait and see how that turns out because that is in the in the future. So that brings mm-hmm. us to the end of our um, end of our podcast here, or our media cast. So I'll just put the closing graphic up there, so we end nicely. And um, great, great talking to you about Group F, Connor. Yeah, it's an intriguing group. I'm excited to follow this one. Yeah, I will see you next time. Okay, you bet. Bye-bye. All right, we'll finish the podcast today with a look back on what we have covered until now, with a particular focus on which media casts are still relevant. Uh, Following that, no, wait, prior to that, we're going to look at what is upcoming over the rest of the year, because I think that uh, may be of more interest. So uh, we'll put a graphic up with all of this information, both uh, past, current and present, on the YouTube version. And we'll also include it in the show notes. So um, let's take a look at upcoming series. So right now we're on series 14. And I'll give a bit more information about that too. But series 15 will be a shorter version of series 14, the uh, 2024 Euro qualifying series. So rather than the detailed history, uh, it'll have a short summary of each team in the group and a section on their recent form. So from there, uh, part three of series 14 Uh, will be the same in both the short and long series. That's a comparison of teams through rankings, odds and head-to-head records, as well as Kevin O'Connor's discussion and ending with a review of the first two sets of games that were played in March 2023. Uh, After this uh, Euro 2024 qualifying, 16 and 17, series 16 and 17, will be a preview of the 2023 Gold Cup 
Uh, that tournament is set to start on June 24th, 2023. So we plan to put out uh, those podcasts or those media casts in late May or early June. So Series 16 will focus on the groups and teams and Series 17 will focus on the players of each team. Uh, qualification is actually taking place through the CONCACAF uh, Nations League currently, uh, but we don't intend to do a series on qualification for the CONCACAF Gold Cup there. Uh, during the summer, we are planning a series on uh, CONMEBOL, that's a South American World Cup 2026 qualifying. That begins in September 2023. Uh, we also may get an early start on Asian Cup 2023, uh, although that's due to start uh, later in January 2024. Uh, in the fall, we're going to preview the early rounds of AFC World Cup 2026 qualifying. Uh, that'll take place in October and November, so we'll do it uh, prior to that. And this will actually give us a first look at some of the weaker teams in the Asian region, which we haven't covered uh, yet. Uh, also, we will preview the 2023 African Cup. Uh, it is called that even though it's due to start in January 2024. So those are the upcoming series. And now let's take a look at our current series. So the current media cast. We call it a media cast because it's available with visuals on YouTube and it's available as a podcast. Uh, and you can find it on most podcast catchers or on our website at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. We'll also put up a graphic uh, uh, with that on it. Um, so the current series is Series 14, and that's a preview of the groups in Euro 2024 qualifying. And this gives us a chance to get to know teams that we, uh, don't often make it to the tournaments. So it features a deep dive into the Euro Cup qualifying histories of the team. And uh, we started actually after the first round of games in March 2023 to make it a bit more interesting. So as uh, mentioned, we'll follow that with uh, Series 15. That's a shortened version of Euro 2024 qualifying because um, some members of the audience don't want such a deep dive. Now let's look back at our previous media cap series. I think they're still relevant to various degrees. And... Uh, well, they tend to be relevant uh, in reverse order, so we'll actually kind of go uh, backwards in time here. So Series 10 to 13 were all based on the 2022 World Cup. Series 10 was an eight-part group-by-group uh, -group preview of the 14 groups in the tournament. It featured a deep dive into the World Cup finals history of each team. Series 11 was a 32-part team-by-team preview of players in World Cup 2022. So we didn't know at the time which players would be selected. So we went through uh, the candidates for each position and gave information about them. So that'll still be relevant for a lot of the teams. Uh, series 12 actually featured uh, shortened versions of each of series 10 and 11. So a shorter version on the teams and on the players. And then th series 13 was a 25 part review 
or uh, update of the Team by Team uh, Players podcast. And it was published after the teams had selected their squads for the finals. So it went through the candidates that we had discussed in Series 11 and introduced any new players that made it to the final squad. Unfortunately we, unfortunately, we ran out of time before finishing all 32 teams. And I particularly regret that in the case of Ghana, because they brought a lot of new players in that were not considered in our Series 11 preview uh, of the Ghana players. Anyway, these World Cup podcasts, especially the player ones, are still relevant because the squads haven't changed that much. Uh, we will be doing future player podcasts before each major tournament. So uh, going back before that, Series 9 is actually probably the most relevant. It was a 12-part preview of the uh, African Cup 2023 qualifying groups. Um, it's still called African Cup 2023. It was originally set to take place that year, or this year, I should say. But now it's been moved to January 2024. Um, so qualification games were also postponed and uh, the qualification is still unfinished. So uh, as I said, that makes it uh, still quite relevant. Series 7 and 8 were both based on the 2021 African Cup, which took place in January 2022. Uh, that's good for a look at some of the smaller African teams who made it to the expanded cup. Uh, Series 7 was a six-part overview of the teams in African Cup 2021 uh, or in 2022. It's confusing. <laughs> it's still called African Cup 2021, but it took place in, in January 2022. Uh, while the overviews were repeated in Series 9, this did feature, uh, feature a deep dive into the African Cup Finals history of the participants. Um, Okay, uh, Series 8 was a 24-part team-by-team uh, preview of the players for the African Cup. Uh, for the African teams that made the 2022 World Cup, uh, the player podcasts will be updated, uh, but for the smaller teams they won't be. So for many teams it remains the uh, most relevant. And uh, it has soccer information that doesn't seem to exist uh, in other media accounts, as far as I know. Okay, uh, I'm moving back before that. Series 4 and 6 uh, focused on the CONCACAF regions, specifically the 18 final round of qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. Um, series 4 was an eight-part look at each team and their players in the final round and it featured a deep dive into each team's World Cup qualification history. It also had a team-by-team -team preview of the players uh, in CONCACAF there. Uh, it really should have been a separate series number, to be honest, but nevertheless, the current players on the squad were examined uh, for each of the eight teams. Uh, series 6 was a mid-round update of that CONCACAF uh, 2022 World Cup qualifying campaign. So uh, Series 4 and 6 kind of go together. Okay, Series 5, that's in between the two CONCACAF series, um, was a preview of the Asian uh, World Cup qualifying final round. So this was just a two-part series on each of the 16 groups that made it to the final round of World Cup qualifying in the Asian region. 
So this remains relevant for all Asian teams that didn't reach the World Cup, but for Iran, Japan, South Korea, and Saudi Arabia as Series 10 uh, in their World Cup um, introduction is more current. Series 3 was a four-part preview for the groups for Gold Cup 2021 in the CONCACAF region. And this remains relevant for some of the smaller teams in the tournament. But again, those who participated in the World Cup um, uh, were updated um, after that. Series 2 uh, was a two-part preview of the groups for Copa America 2021 in the South American region. So that again remains relevant for the smaller teams in the region, but the teams that made the World Cup were updated in Series 10. And our first series uh, was a preview of the 2020 Euro Cup played in 2021. Again, uh, teams that reached the 2022 World Cup were updated there. Um, and it, it did feature a deep dive into uh, Euro Cup finals history. So, um, uh, again, for the smaller teams that uh, we haven't covered since, it remains relevant. Okay, I think that brings us to the end. So, uh, keep your eye out for the graphics on the show notes or uh, on the YouTube. And I hope to join us for the upcoming series and uh, even go back and review some of the old series until we update them again. Bye-bye.